Hey folks, and welcome to Drinking Alone with Friends, a podcast where three friends drink alone together. My name's Chris. Yo, 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 it's Ted. And I'm Obert. And we bring to you another interview. So, Ooh. pretty exciting. Yeah, we teased this one, I think, on a recent episode. Um, this is one I wasn't able to go to, but uh, you guys were both there. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's an interview with Labyrinth Brewing Company out of Manchester, Connecticut. And we did this interview right before my wedding. No, right after my wedding. Right after my wedding? No, you were on a honeymoon, no. I think. It was, yeah, it was remember, before. Remember all that pasta? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so it was before. It was the week before my <laughs> wedding. It all blends yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh Labyrinth's a really cool place. Uh admittedly, as you'll hear, uh Tud did a lot of the heavy lifting. <laughs> I was just kind of there to look good and, you know, be cute and smile at everybody. But uh it, but it was it was really cool. I'm I'm glad we had time to sit down with Adam. Yeah, Adam Delora, uh one of the owners and one of the head brewers of uh Labyrinth Brewing Company, which fun fact guys, I am now a mug member at Labyrinth as well. Um, oh, that was, did that Adam get you that as a wedding present or no? No, uh, but I, I, I did get, I am on the, I am, you know, a mug member now. I will not share my mug number publicly here. It's seven. <laughs> it's, it's obviously mug number one. I mean, it's clearly. I would hope Adam right. gets mug number one. <laughs> yeah, I right. I think he gets whatever <laughs> damn mug number he wants. That's fair. Mug number 42,069. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so our interview was done um, at Labyrinth in the actual uh, tap room or kind of like near like the front door because there was a trivia night going on. So in parts of the interview, it may be a little bit, there may be some background noise that you guys might hear just because people, it, you know, brewery was open, people coming in and out. And then I think at the very end, you can kind of hear the start of trivia night. So... Bear with us on that. <laughs> you got the but, authentic experience, people. It's right. Like it it yeah. sounds like you're sitting in a tap room talking to the the head brewer of a brewery. Yeah, exactly. It was it was really cool. Um, I I have done just the one interview so far, but it was like closed and you could hear echoing and stuff like that. So I think I think the light ambiance is going to add something, you know. <laughs> so um yeah, so we we spent about an hour talking to Adam um about everything from his history of what he did before he was brewing to how he started a brewery to how he and his three friends built the brewery. Uh, I think we tackled pretty much everything. It was a great interview. Uh, we really appreciate Adam taking the time um, to sit down with us. So uh, special shout out to Adam. I know he's a listener as well. So thank you, Adam, for taking the time to talk to Chris and I, uh, despite Chris not really wanting to be an active participant in the interview. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much that you guys, you guys were 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 vibing, you know. So <laughs> what was I? I wasn't supposed to just butt my way in there. Chris, you guys, Chris were knew enough to great. not interrupt that that special chemistry that you guys were having there. Exactly. I mean, you're a mug club member now, but we so don't have to tell gonna... listeners that they're literally about to hear all of this themselves. So. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. I think we just all know now. We should start calling me the interview champ because I'm just the greatest interviewer on the pod. Okay. Let me, well, I guess, let me, let me I guess flex those can... muscles a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm still the dark horse. You don't know my interviewing skills. That's that true. true. That is true. That is true. on that Montana list. Montana brewery owners. Let me know. Uh, yeah. It's like Schrodinger's interviewer. You could be a really good interviewer or a really bad interviewer, but you have to open the go. box to find out. Well, yeah, we'll find out soon enough. But anyways, I think this is a good uh, good time to jump right into it. What do you guys say? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have all fun. quietly you guys sit here. Those. And uh, listen along, and then then we'll we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> see you. Bye. Have fun, guys. See you later. 
Hey everybody, this is Tud coming live from Labyrinth Brewing Company in Manchester, Connecticut, and I'm here with owner and head brewer. I mean, brewer, I wouldn't say brewer. head. We, we all kind of share that responsibility, okay. so. Owner and brewer, Adam Delora. Adam, how's it going? Oh, it's doing well, uh, you know. Speak of the devil as we sit here. Here comes Chris walking through the door, late as usual. Yeah, alright, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So Adam, tell me how you got into brewing. Um, you know, I got into brewing uh, very much like a lot of people... Uh, get into it you know I sort of had I had some free time and I says you know I I really like to pick up new hobbies and so I'm like all right well what am I gonna do let's I don't know, let's try brewing I like beer I like drinking beer let's try to brew beer this is you know years ago well, it turns out that uh, you know like a lot of people who start off home brewing you get like the little mr. beer kit you know like the box you do it on the stovetop it makes like disgusting beer but you're just like wow it's mine so it's delicious right I, and it, I did even, that as well yeah yeah it did even, not come out very well yeah, even though it's kind of terrible but you're just like yeah I did this right and then uh, it turns out that like two guys that I went to school with they're just starting to get into brewing at the same time you know it's sort of like you know this awesome confluence of we have all this information on the internet to help us homebrew and there's a lot more interest in making your own stuff that like maker movement is sort of becoming a thing and so it's like you know my now business partner Sean and business partner Chris they're brewing at home I'm brewing at home and we're like well let's come together because then we can all kind of learn from each other's mistakes and you know hopefully learn from each other's successes and that became a homebrew club that was mostly run by my partner Chris and then Next thing you know, there's like tons of us in Chris's garage every Thursday night brewing beer, bottling beer, talking about recipes, tasting ingredients, doing sensory training, and then, you know, one thing led to another. A few years later, we're like, yeah, we're going to make a brewery. And then, you know, three years after that drunken conversation, we opened the doors of this place. <laughs> so so when did you guys open, officially? Um, our first day was August 25 uh, of last year, 2018. Nice. So, yeah, so we're about 10 months old right now. So for the for the listeners out there, Chris has just joined us as well. Welcome, Chris. Hey, everybody. Sorry, I had to stop and get gas, of course. So <laughs> <laughs> he's always late to the party, as as per usual. We're yes, not. yes. And so, just for everybody out there too, we are actually recording in a live brewery. The brewery is open. There's trivia night starting tonight. Um, so you may hear a little bit of background noise, but don't be don't worry about that. We're we're actually in the the functioning brewery as we speak. Um. So, Adam, part yes. of our part of the way this podcast works is we drink beer on this podcast, clearly. Awesome. So, why don't you tell us about what you're drinking and then describe it to the listeners and tell us tell us about it. Okay, so what I'm drinking here is um, our oatmeal stout that we call Erebus. And so, it got that name because in Greek mythology... Hold up, back up a little bit. So, we're Labyrinth Brewing Company, um, and we sort of use that word, Labyrinth, Loosely, like we, you know, our logo is sort of based off a famous labyrinth in a, in a French cathedral. And one of the cool things about that is myself and my business partners, we're all nerds. Like we played D&D, Magic the Gathering, that kind of stuff. And so <laughs> when we came up with the name, we were like, let's use like somewhat loose mythological inspiration to name our beers. So we have Erebus, which in Greek mythology was like the primordial of darkness. And this oatmeal stout is, you know, obviously it's a stout. It's a really dark looking beer. And the first couple times we brewed this beer, we actually had a lot of trouble with it. Like it boiled over, it kind of like exploded out of one of the tanks one time. And then the first time we transferred it into like a bright tank, um, we transferred 6.66 barrels of this beer. So like oh, after oh, wow. that, yeah. So, so after that, it was like, okay, guys, like we got to give this a cool name. And that's why it got the name Erebus. 
So now um, this beer comes in, it's probably like, now you're testing my, my knowledge off the cuff. I think it's like 5.4% ABV, might be 5.6. So it's kind of on the light side. It's roasty. There's a little hint of chocolate. Um, all that just comes from the malt that we use. There's no, you know, coffee in it or anything like that. And uh, we actually sent cans of this to the New York International Beer Competition, and we took a silver medal in January. Oh, hey, wow. Yeah, awesome. heck yeah. Yeah, and it was one of those things because we're so new. We were like, eh, we're not going to send our beers away because we're so new. No one's going to like them. Then I was like, ah, you know what? Box it up. Send it off. Next thing you know, I get a ribbon in the mail. I'm like, this is cool. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I was super excited because at that point, we weren't even open for six months. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome when you're start, starting to pull in awards without even being open a full year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and this is uh, this recipe here is, I can't take credit for this. This is definitely my partner Sean's base recipe uh, from, like, back in the day when he was homebrewing. But uh, definitely uh, is one of the older... Um, Older, older recipes that we have that we kind of carried forward into the into the brew house. Cool. So you know, that's awesome. Yeah, I've had it before. I think it's fantastic. Oh, so. thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, so I uh, looked over the menu a little bit, uh, and I went with the Turbo Love Juice. I think this is a solid. I think you've mentioned this before on the pod before. I have. Yeah. I have before. Um, so uh, looks like a. New England style IPA got a little bit of nice little haze in there. Um, so far, really enjoying it. Um, Do you want to? Hmm? I was going to ask Adam. Can you, oh. you want to give us a background on it? Oh yeah. Oh, on the Turbo Love. We have the we have the brewer here. Uh, yeah, is, I, yeah, yeah. You tell me what I'm tasting. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is a yeah, sure. It is a New England style IPA. Um, it has Cascade, Citra, and Laurel hops in it. Okay. Um, Laurel hops. Laurel, yeah, yep. And it's one of the it's one of the beers we brew almost constantly. You know, something that we can we send it out. Uh, you know, it's on draft at a bunch of local restaurants. Uh, cans of it are in the marketplace. We sell tons of it here in the tasting room. It's been a pretty good uh, seller for us. Um, and that is sort of like when I mentioned that we use loose uh, sort of like mythology to name our beers. I mean, certainly there's no like mythological creature called Turbo Love Juice. However, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there needs to be yeah, one. Yeah, however, there is a particular heavy metal singer that many people call um, the metal god. And so we decided to sort of like do a little play off of a Judas Priest album. And uh, so even like the can art sort of pays tribute to that album art and whatnot and that's where the name Turbo Love Juice came from because it's a play on a Judas Priest song name so and we're all into metal and plenty of Judas Priest was played while we were making this place and so it could just kind of like fit our vibe it fit us you know and as we were talking so, about earlier you were you were listening to death metal till 2am last night oh yes yes that's a thing yes <laughs> uh, I mean we don't discriminate all or all sorts of metal are, are um, accepted around here um you know, it's funny because my partners and I were all sort of like into different styles of metal, whether it's progressive metal or death metal or like, you know, uh, power metal or whatever. But, I mean, combined, there's plenty of metal in this place and it's almost always playing. So. That, that's what I listen to on a full day's basis at work, too. That's how I get in the zone at work. That, that's good, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, mashing in is a lot of work. Sometimes you just need some cannibal corpse to help you out, you know. <laughs> and so I am also, I'm drinking... Uh, a different beer from the both of them. I'm drinking Siren Song Lime Goza. Uh, I have uh, my eye on that one. That looked it is, tasty. It is delicious. Yeah, that looked good. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my go-tos every time I come in. That, the Milk Sickle, the Turbo Love Juice mm. are probably my top three that I always have them in my hand when I'm in here. Well, actually, nice. I think the first beer I stole out of your fridge when I got here was a Milk Sickle. You, 
You did indeed. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. So, uh, w- tell us a little bit about this one, too. Okay, so the, the Siren Song, you know, it's a... It's a... Goza with lime. There's fresh lime in it. So, in our, you know, seven-barrel batch, there's 200 limes in it um, that we hand-peel because, you know, we're crazy. Um, we did <laughs> experiment with... We got one of those peeling machines on Amazon, and the first one didn't work so well. But now, at this point, we're good enough where I can peel using two peeling machines. You don't think that's really exciting, but when you try to actually hand peel 200 limes, it takes like 90 minutes. So now I've got two <laughs> machines. I cut it down to like 45 minutes. I'm like, whoo, prep time, done, right. you know? Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, so the style is, you know, wheat-based, it's got salt, coriander, you know, the lime peels. There's certainly some tartness to it. You know, technically it goes as a sour, but it's not like that puckery uh, uh, sourness. It's, it's very approachable. One of the things we try to do here is... You know, sure, we'll have some out-of-the-box kind of beers, but we like to do a lot of beers that are also approachable for people who this might be the first time they came here and had a different style of beer than, like, a North American light lager or something. You know, that guy who comes and says, I only drink Coors Light, what do you have on the menu? We want a beer for that guy as much as we want the guy who's like, hey, man, what's your newest double IPA or what's your newest, you know, sour or whatnot? So, you know, we sell tons of that. Obviously, it's, it's hot outside, it's summertime. We have it in cans now, and that's you know doing really well for us. People really like it. Um, if you're a tequila fan, put a shot of tequila in the glass, open the can, put the siren song in the glass on top of the tequila, salt or sugar the rim of your glass to your to your liking. Really? Oh yeah, it's awesome. We, we're doing that on Cinco de Mayo, and it was it was a hit. Yeah, people really liked it. So. I feel like I'm going to have to buy a four-pack and go home and I mean, <laughs> take my finest tequila and try this out. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't let me twist your arm, but it's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah, this is this is really smooth. So how do you, when you're taking those those limes, yeah. are you just throwing them in the, in the mash? I mean, they, they, uh, the lime peel goes in the boil in that particular okay. recipe. So, I mean, that's actually the easiest part is literally just putting them in, you know, food-grade bag, toss it in. Because you're not going to just throw a bunch of lime peels in the kettle itself because then they'll clog the pumps and all the Mm. other stuff. So just toss it in for a certain amount of time. Then we can pull them out afterwards, and then everything smells like, you know, limes for a minute, you know, which is pretty awesome, you know. So we get get enough of that lime character to kind of, you know, when you taste it, you get that citrus uh, note, but it's not super acidic where it's almost off-putting, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So, tell us about this this building. Obviously, I've heard a lot about it, but for sure. the listeners out there, I don't think they realized what this place is and what it was and what you guys did to it. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, this building was built probably in 1882, maybe in 1884, like the historic records. You know, nothing's digital, so you're just kind of like trying to read somebody's handwriting from 135 years ago. But anyway, so it's, you know, eight, 1880s was constructed. It was uh, basically a warehouse for the textile mills that are all around us now. Um, had a variety of uses throughout the years. The use that was, what was being used before we moved into this space was absolutely nothing. This was literally uh, like an episode of Hoarders. There was all kinds of stuff here. Like it wasn't trash, it was just stuff. Like all that stuff that you collect throughout life, but just say you're the quirkiest dude on the planet. So it's just like a weird painting, a wooden statue, a bucket of rusty nails, um, you know, all kinds of random, there was like a silk top hat, like random things were hanging out here. 
Um, but also because the place hadn't been used in so long, there was no utilities. So it was like, you know, water, gas, electricity, all that. None of that was here. There was just like a bunch of squirrels and birds living here. I mean, to the point where when we were fixing the windows, we had to wait until the spring so the bird eggs could hatch, the birds could learn how to fly, and then they flew out the window one day, and I replaced that last window. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so we had like a really interesting relationship with some weird birds that were like, why are you in our house making all this noise, you know? So, um, but we, you know, we basically refurbished this old mill building uh, that's in the historic district of, of where we're located and, uh, you know, our bar top, our table tops, those are all made from trees that we cut down to make our parking lot. So we basically reused all that wood, um, you know, to kind of keep it here on the property and, you know, it gives, that's sort of the look and feel we wanted anyways, so... Yeah, I could I could talk about it forever. So I mean, you know, I think it's really cool with like the Edison light bulbs too that you've got all around here. Yes, I, I just think it's got a really cool vibe. I like the Wall of Heroes as you walk through the door. You can see that. I'm, I'm assuming those are your Kickstart funders. Yeah. So um, actually, all the light fixtures I made all of those with my own hands. Really? Yes. Um, the, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bottles and oh yeah, the bottles and, and stuff yeah. like that. Yep. That's yeah, all those cool. bottles. Um, you know made all those uh but to your question about the or your statement rather about the wall of heroes so basically this is like a giant almost like a giant wooden plaque hanging from chains you know uh, against the wall and that has like 168 or 169 names carved into it when we first started this project we didn't have any money so you know we want we're just three home brewers we want to start a business we don't really have good jobs where we make tons of money we don't come from families that have lots of money there's nobody to give us any cash so we said, okay, we took to the internet, we started a Kickstarter crowdfunding project. And I think it was like maybe 18 or 19 grand we raised, you know, from some friends and family and also from some complete strangers who live here in the community with us and said, you know what, this, this concept sounds like a cool thing that we need here in town. So here's 50 bucks, here's 20 bucks, whatever. And you know, you collect enough of that that was sort of our seed money to put together a respectable looking business plan and start looking for, you know, real estate and all this other nonsense. And that sort of led to all the other successes that we had and all the other help that we got to actually get this place up and running. So, nice. and so, you know, one of the things we did, we said, okay, we're going to like immortalize you all on this wall that we constructed in my garage and then, you know, carved all the names into. And so that just hangs here. So every time you walk in and out of this door, you see the names of those humans who helped us out. Which, I mean, without all those people, we would not have opened this place up. That's awesome. Yeah, I, th I think it's a, I think it's a really cool shout out. I actually was looking through there one day, and I happen to know a few people, some some <laughs> who are listeners of the pod. So, oh nice. sweet, awesome, it's pretty well, cool. Well, thank you, listeners, for helping us. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. Have you guys talked about the first time that we had their beer yet? No. No. Well, we have in the past. In but... the past. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually funny. Um, I, I mean, you're sitting in between us. We're not like the most, the smallest, most agile people in, in the, on the face whoa, of the planet. You can whoa, imagine. Whoa, whoa. You can imagine. <laughs> I, I am. I happen to be the most agile human I know. Oh yes. Oh jeez. He only knows a few people. But, um, but the Manchester uh, a few years ago started the Beards and Beers 5K. I don't know if you. Yeah. Know oh yeah. I mean. Absolutely. Yep. And yeah. and. I was like, oh man! At the time, I had been I had been running a little bit, and I was like, man, this is awesome! So there's a a brew fest at the end of this 5K, and uh, what more motivation? To yeah, run? I mean, I was just about to say, like, I'm going to start running. This sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually I, I hit Tut up 
like not that long before the race. I was like, hey, I'm running this. You should run it with me. And actually, that Brewfest afterwards, uh, it was like one of the first times that we had your beer. Oh, was, nice. Was in the tent. You had two beers. I don't even remember honestly what they were at the time. Yeah. I could probably go on Untapped and find them. But I, was I think like, one was Pan's IPA. If I oh, had probably. Oh, yeah. Yep. Probably. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I think that was that was definitely one. And I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head, but it was pretty funny because a couple weeks or a couple months ago, he was like, "Oh, I live right down the road from Labyrinth. You remember them? We had them in <laughs> oh, a tent nice. once." Nice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, sweet." So it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, from that was probably November of seventeen. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, probably. October. Like, yeah, I mean that it, that event's usually like in November somewhere, like. It was cold. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like right before Veterans Day or the weekend right after. So like in that sort of like early to mid November ish. Yeah, because it goes yeah. with the whole you know no shave November. Yeah, yep. um, yeah, that's yeah, where the beards. That. Yeah, the beards and the beers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yep. So, so, so yeah, no, that's that was awesome. the first time. <laughs> that's cool. You know, I I really like hearing stories like that because, you know, we were homebrewers for so long, and also like it took us a long time to get this place established because for a variety of reasons again going back to like we didn't have a lot of funds so we did a lot of the work ourselves that sounds awesome but like it took three and a half months just to make the bar top so it's like (laughs) that's three and a half months that we're not framing we're not doing this that and the other thing so you know it was a long process from concept to opening day was about three years so during that three-year period we had a lot of people who knew us as homebrewers but we're still out at all these like community events fundraisers like beards and beers and other events sending beer doing tastings you know all this stuff and so on opening day the first guy in line like we opened up at noon on august 25th there's a guy in line he sets up a lawn chair at 10 a.m right in front of the door and he says you know what a couple years ago i had your beer at this like charity festival in willimantic a city a little ways away and he says once I had that beer, I knew I had to be the first one through your doors. And so that guy had sort of been following our progress for like two and a half years since he had that one beer, which I don't even know what the heck it was because it's so long ago. I don't know what we sent to that festival. <laughs> and that guy sat in the chair for two hours to hold his first place spot in line. That's fantastic. And he was, yeah, he was the first guy through the door, and we served him first. And, of course, you know, he got a flight and all this other stuff. So it was just kind of cool to sort of hear those stories where, like, you know, long ago you guys had this beer, and they are like, oh, gosh, these guys are open. Well, now... I enjoyed that beer. Now I'm going to go check out the space. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you know, and once you get here, I think you know, I think your vibe speaks for itself too. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about how much construction you guys have done, but you can feel the the blood, sweat, tears, and love that went into this place. That I, I feel like some breweries, you know, around the state, you walk in there and you don't feel, you don't get that same vibe just because it's it's very commercial and very, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that's just sort of the difference. Like, you hire a contractor to do something. They're going to do good work. It's going to look good. But there's not going to be those personal touches, like, you know, cutting all these glass bottles in my kitchen for, like, days on end just to have the perfect <laughs> light fixtures. You know, most people would be like, ah, I'm going to look on Amazon, or, you know, I'm going to find right. a, a supplier online, and if the supplier doesn't have it, you're out of luck. You, you just don't get it. How know? many of those bottles did you break? Uh, okay, so there was probably about a 70-30 ratio. 70% of them came out okay, 30% of them just exploded all over my kitchen. So, okay. I mean, I'm still married, so that's good. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't kick me out, even though, you know, I had to make sure I vacuumed everything up. Well, you know, of course. But uh, it was, yeah, it was a real pain in the neck. But I just, you know, we had a vision for what we were going to do with even this particular light fixture where we're sitting in the entryway. There's this copper hood. And then... Uh, in the center of this copper hood, all these, it's like 13 or 14 bottles hang down from it on little pendant lights. Well, that copper hood 
is actually part of a still that operated in this building. So nice. in the past, uh, there was a distillery in here that distilled grappa. Okay. And so whether this is true or not, like local lore claims that this distillery was the first legally licensed distillery in the state after Prohibition. Huh. I can't find any proof that this is actually a thing, but that's like the local lore. Like, oh, yes, that's what happened here. And so, <laughs> you know, we just found this hood in amongst all the other junk in this episode of Hoarders when we moved into this place. And I said, oh, my gosh, we've got to polish this up, and we're going to turn it into a, a super cool light fixture. And then that's, you know, going back to that whole, like, other places don't really f may or may not feel as homey or comfortable. Yeah. I mean, we literally made everything in this place. And, it, you know, there are... You can see that. You yeah. Know? Like, everything's yeah. handmade, you know? I mean, even some of the trees that we used, uh, we actually cut them down ourselves. You know, not all of them. The large ones, we let professionals do that. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so what did you guys do, you, Sean, and Chris, before you guys started a brewery? Because, like, you know, this, there's a lot of work that went in here. Oh, so, clearly, yeah. you must have had some type of skill beforehand. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, so Chris, he worked for a bank. He did, like, a credit card processing for small businesses and stuff, which is really helpful. You know, like, our organization is kind of like the most epic Dungeons and Dragons team, right? So for those of you who play D&D, like, yeah, you can have a whole party of wizards and that's probably fun to play, but you really need like one of each uh, uh, class, you know, so that you right. can be successful in the dungeon, right? Well, so, you know, Chris kind of brings that experience. He brings sales experience um, and, you know, he's owned businesses before, which is awesome. Uh, my partner, Sean, he... Uh, managed uh, like a bicycle shop for a while he's got some construction background experience so you know knowing how to use tools knowing how to manage doing inventory that sort of retail sales thing and then myself um, I was a librarian prior to this and uh, before that a school teacher and a soldier so like I have a little bit of construction background as well so between the three of us somebody knows something about whatever challenge or topic is is at hand and if not, we're really good at figuring it out or asking the right questions or bringing on a consultant or saying, hey, man, like, this is a crazy thing. How do we do this, you know? So, I mean, it's, it definitely was a lot of uh, learning on the job and figuring stuff out. But, I mean, once you kind of know how to use tools and you figure one thing out, the next thing is a little bit easier. Yeah. I will say that the last walls that we framed are a lot better than the first walls that we framed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'll buy you a beer if you can tell me which was the first wall that we framed because you could totally see now that I know what to look for. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It sounds like a challenge for after this. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Follow us on Instagram. You'll, you'll yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Our guesses will be on there. Yeah, yeah. So Clearly you love beer. Beer is yes. a great thing. Um, but... And you, you do, uh, I mean, you make amazing beer. And I, I heard the tail end of the story because I was, of course, late because that's what I do best. Um, I heard the tail end of the story that you guys are homebrewers and then you decided, hey, we're going to open a brewery. If, can you think back, way, way back, to when you first had a craft beer and you were like, you know what? This is the beer, like that, the beer that kind of started this whole this whole downward oh, slide. Um, <laughs> yeah, how's that for a question? Right yeah, there? I mean, uh, so see, here's the thing. You know, like... Uh, you know, I was always familiar with, you know, the beers that were sort of in the marketplace prior to this craft beer boom. Okay, think about all those, like, uh, you know, North American light lagers, you know, all those sort of, like, macro brewery beers. You know, like, right. the beers our dad drank, you know, like... Bud Light. Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> say what you will. I mean, I occasionally have a Coors Light. I like the Silver Bullet, you know? So, whatever. It just depends on where you are. It's a, You know, for me, beer's all about atmosphere. You know, yeah. so sometimes I'm at a dive bar and I just want a pizza and a Coors Light. Other times I'm somewhere else and I want a, 
you know, something that's going to complement the food. So, you know, and also like being young, you're not always looking for the best quality. You're looking like, what can I get, you know, it's college, it's a party, let's get that 30 rack and have a good time, what right? What kind of sloshed up? Yeah, yeah, how right. do I overindulge, you know, that sort of thing, you know. Um, but uh, for me, like one of the first craft beers that I drank and was like, holy cow, this is so different than this one style of beer that I've been so used to drinking, you know, which is awesome, but this is so different, is... Um, it's a uh, North Coast Brewery's Old Rasputin, Russian okay. Imperial Stout. Oh, yeah. okay. To this yeah, day, <laughs> that is like one of my favorite go-to beers. And the guys joke that it's my lawnmower beer, you know, because they, you know, they joke because I'll drink it on a warm day or whatever. I mean, it goes right if you have the right food. It's awesome that's, if you're in the right setting. That's real dedication. That's a that's a big beer for that, a hot day. It is. It is. But you know what? You know, you, you grill some meat. You know, you you get to, uh, you know like a decent steak, and you know. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, obviously, sip it in moderation, but that's also a beer that as it warms up, the flavor notes change a little bit. It actually gets better. You know, if you pull mm-hmm. it right out of the fridge and you drink it, yeah, it's good. But if you let it sort of come up to room temperature, it's better, you know? And so, I'm not saying I drink it all the time, but, you know, once in a while, like, that's... But that's the first beer that I ever drank and was like... And I just picked it basically on the label. I was just like, this beer looks crazy. And, you know, like, I'm a young, dumb... You know, young adult, like, I'll just try this thing, you know. I'm going to get in this cute little bottles. I only get four of them. Okay, let's, this must be good, you know. Like, it's so expensive. And then I'm like, holy moly, like, just, like, the, the layers of complexity of that beer. Like, this is cool. Where do I find other beers like this? And to this day, I'm not really an IPA person. I'm more of a dark. That's why I'm drinking our oatmeal stout. Like, I, I like darker beers, things that are malt forward. That was really my first foray into that. Like, holy cow, beer can be malty and delicious. Yeah. You know? That is that is very true. Yeah. yeah. All, all beer. So I'm personally an IP, a big IPA fan, too. Okay. Well, so. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. IPAs rock, man. Especially in the, the weather like this. Are you kidding me? So what what was the... Tell us about the Milksicle IPA. Okay. Because, uh, you know, it's one of those ones that, if you're if you're a fan of the Connecticut beer scene, that's the one that seems to be, seems to be like... The one that people spotlight for Labyrinth. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a beer that has taken off um, for us a lot more than many of the other beers. And so Milksicle is a mango milkshake IPA. So you know it's got lactose in it. There's like a ton of mangoes in it, and um, um, there's a little hint of vanilla on the back of it as well. And you know it's, it's one of those beers where it didn't get a name until like five minutes before it was going on tap. We're like, okay, we're gonna brew this mango beer. We have this idea for a milkshake because we always do like these planning meetings where we're kicking around, like, oh, let's you know, whatever, let's do this crazy style or let's do this or let's take this classic style and throw this other stuff at it. And you know, we'll pilot it on a smaller batch. And then you know, if that works and the people on our tasting panel are like, yes, good deal, then we'll move it up to the larger batch. But this was one where we were like, okay, we kind of got an idea for this, you know, all throughout the whole process. We're testing it, tasting it, looks good, everything's on point, and we're about to put it on tap. Well, what the heck are we going to call it? You know, we're like, oh, I, I don't know, man. You know, so we just decided uh, to call it the Milksicle. Thinking more like, you know, we listen to a lot of metal. So I'm thinking like, you know, like Slayer's playing in the background. And we're just like, you know, this is like what the Angel of Death is going to drink when he needs to take a break. It's a hot summer day. This is what he's going to drink. So that's why we called it the Milksicle. And even the can label has this like cow looking Angel of Death, like with a sickle, you know, like a scythe. And there's like, instead of a bunch of like blood dripping down, it's milk dripping down, you know? And it's, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. So anyways, like that beer, um, it's a milkshake IPA. People really dig it. It's 
It's got a little bit of sweetness to it. It's it's smooth going down. It's about seven percent. Um, you know, I think like that's just a style that it's the right weather for that. You know, I mean, what what's more summer than mangoes? You know, like yeah. you know, or even like you know, it sort of has like a creamsicle kind of uh, flavoring. So people are always sort of like reminiscing from those old creamsicles from our childhood. You know, it's hot day out, grab a creamsicle. So that kind of really plays together with that to to make that work. And who does your artwork for that type of stuff? Um, so we're using a local guy, uh, Steve Reboin, uh, from the Reboin Design uh, Company. Um, he's a, a veteran. He's a local guy. Um, you know, real good dude um, that I kind of met a few times before I started this project. And then just, just happened to be that we needed a label guy and bumped into him somewhere. And was like, oh, my gosh, you're starting your design company. I've got a business. You're starting a business. Let's Let's see what you can do for us, you know? And we hired him to do like a couple small things for us. And then once I, super easy dude to work for. And like sometimes I'll just tell him, like even the label for the Milksicle, I didn't know how it was going to look. I was just like, listen, man, we're listening to Slayer. This is like the Angel of Death's drink. Give me something. Hmm. And then, you know, a little while later, he sends a rough draft off to us. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool, you know? (laughs) And, And I feel bad because I'm never really giving him any details. I'm just like, man. You know, I'm like, have you ever played Diablo 2 where they have that hell cow level where you kill all those cows? And he's like, no. And I'm just like, okay, well, they make this sound. And he's like, that's not helpful. I'm like, okay, well, you know, next thing you know, I have this wicked cool label. And I'm like, wow, this guy probably thinks I'm crazy. But it all worked out well. So I will say that I do love Diablo 2. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that secret cow level. You know, I mean, how do you go wrong with that? So, um yeah, I mean, that goes back to us being kind of like nerds and getting our inspiration from sort of like that Dungeons & Dragons video game kind of thing, so... Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I like that a lot. Um, so, you mentioned you play Dungeons & Dragons. What class do you normally tend oh, to play? Oh, man, usually I'm the Dungeon Master, unfortunately. Okay, but right. when I do get a chance to play, I like to play Dwarves. And usually, like, things Dwarves are not good at being. Just because I like that extra <laughs> challenge, you know? So, Dwarven mage. Yeah, exactly. You know, I like to be, you know, that, that works really well for me. You know, I like to have that extra challenge, you know. Okay. We sort of like to play against type, you know. Like one time I played an elf that was on a pirate ship, but he originally went to school to be a ninja. So he's like a rogue, right? Yeah. But then he failed being a ninja, so then he had to go hang out with some pirates, which sounds ridiculous, but for the entire campaign, all the other players would always sort of like, you know, rib my character a little bit and make fun of him because he's just like a failed ninja and now we, you know, they're just sort of like tolerating him because he was a really bad pirate too, you know. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So... That is fun. Yeah, and you know, and that's a creative outlet, just like brewing is. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things that really draws me personally to to brewing is just being, like, super creative. I love our, like, planning meetings where we're just like, okay, what's the next thing we're going to brew? And I'm always like, I don't know, man. Like, what have we not used yet? What fruit haven't we used? Or what style have we not brewed? Or what what can we do with, you know, okay, so we have a raspberry wheat. What can we do with that beer? Can we throw a different yeast at it and see how that tastes? Can we maybe change the grain a little bit? Can we throw a different fruit at it or whatever? Or we're going to make something with boysenberries. Why? Because boysenberry is a cool word. I just like the way that that sounds. I mean, you know, they're just like, let's do it. They taste good. They're mutant raspberries. Let's try it, you know? I don't like, think I've ever had a boysenberry. A boysenberry really is kind of like a mutant raspberry. It's very similar to a raspberry and... Uh, yeah, I mean, we did a boysenberry wheat beer that we fermented with a Saison yeast. And Ooh. yeah, so it sort of had a little bit of funkiness yeah. to it. It wasn't over the top. Again, it goes back to that kind of approachable sort of thing. Yeah. So it was fruity enough and funky enough for, for entry-level people. But 
you know, low ABV. I mean, it killed it when it was on tap. And, you know, also looked the part of, you know, beautiful fruit beer and you know, worked out really well. So speaking of, of, of beers that you're brewing, what's, what's upcoming? What's on tap? Or, oh, man. Or on uh, deck, I should say. What is on deck? Okay, so we have a, a series... Uh, of New England IPA is called our Cerberus series and you know Cerberus in mythology was like this multi-headed dog that guarded the gates of hell to make sure that like the soul stayed in hell right so we uh, we throw each of these uh, series features three distinct hops so you know version one version two version three they all have the same sort of like grain bill but it's the the hops that change you know so we can kind of highlight them so we have our third version Cerberus three we just transferred into a bright tank it's doing its thing we're going to carve it up probably put it on tap at the end of this uh, uh, the end of this week maybe and, and also because our birthday's coming up we have a couple beers that we're sort of brewing to uh, kind of help celebrate it so this uh, Erebus oatmeal stout that I'm drinking right now for example we are going we are planning to um, we're planning to take that beer uh, split it into a couple different batches and do a few variations on it. So, like, we've done Erebus with coffee before. We've done it on nitro with chocolate and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to kind of, like, take that base beer, you know, on a few of our popular beers and sort of split them out and say, okay, well, that siren song you're drinking, maybe we'll throw raspberries and lime in one section and then we'll, we'll have something, you know, put some other flavors together in another one just to kind of highlight um, how far we've come from day one when we had just like the base version of our Erebus oatmeal style and the base version of, you know, the siren song. So when, when it comes to our birthday, it's like, okay, here's the base version. And then adjacent to it on tap is these other variations or these other variations. And just kind of like, you know, basically have fun and be creative with yeah. stuff that I've already got, you know? Can I make a flavor recommendation yeah, for the Erebus? Yes, why not? Oh, there we go. Yep. I, I want a chocolate marshmallow graham cracker. Okay. All right. I can't guarantee it's going to happen, but we'll definitely. I'll bring that back. I'll bring that back to our planning meeting, and you know, like a s'more. Essentially. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, Arabic s'mores. I, I like it. That would go really. I, that would if you can figure it out because I can't obviously, but yeah. that would be really good, especially yeah. with the oat, the oatmeal. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know how you throw marshmallows into a beer, but yeah, they'll figure it out. That's I mean, you know, it's it's pretty. Yeah. We're. At this at this point, we're seasoned veterans, you know. So like, <laughs> throw all kinds of stuff uh, in beer. You know, that's one of the cool things about doing like a small sort of like pilot recipes to test stuff because sometimes you just you're just like, hey man, I'm gonna throw whatever man. Like, I have some radishes. Let's throw this in there. I never threw radishes in a beer, but you know, like, <laughs> let's do this. And then you like you know make five gallons. You're like, wow, this is disgusting. This is why nobody does it. Cool. Or sometimes you're like, hey, I'm gonna throw X into this beer. Oh, how come nobody thought of that? You know, so it's really. I like that creative aspect of just saying, like, hey, what, what could happen if we do this? Or what could happen if we do that? Or, you know, if I take this, you know, cream ale, which is a pretty basic sort of beer, and what if I throw, you know, lactose at an orange and vanilla? Or if I throw, you know, whatever, like put a ton of raspberries in it or whatnot, you know? So I heard you have a blueberry beer coming up. We do have a blueberry beer. So the blueberry beer is called Mug 28. And that's because one of our Mug Club members, um, who is Mug 28, uh, at a beer fest, she's very awesome human being because you know we're working at the beer fest pouring all these beers we didn't really have any time to get any food or anything to drink and so you know she noticed this being a fan of our brewery went around to a bunch of the other booths brought us back some beers brought us back some snacks and then she was like hey you know you guys ever think of doing a blueberry sour because i really like blueberries and i like sours and we were like yeah yeah i'll put that on the back burner whatever whatever and then you know back to those planning meetings where we're being super creative we're like oh my gosh we need to do a blueberry sour and that's like okay well what are we going to call it 
I don't know, you know, what do you call a blueberry sour? It's like, okay, who's the god of blueberries? You know, I'm like Wikipedia, you know, like mythology, <laughs> mythological blueberries. That, that, that's not a thing. So, um, and then we're like, well, duh, we'll just call it Mug 28, like in, in, in her honor, sort of, for kind of giving us the idea, like, hey, use, use these blueberries or whatever. So, and that's, that's pretty much how that came about. That's, should be ready in a week or two. I mean, I just tasted some of it earlier off the off the fermenter, so I mean, it's it's shaping up pretty well. Nice. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty excited to come over and, and check that out. Yeah, I mean, when we're done here, I can give you guys a little taste of it if you want. I'll, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not carbonated, obviously, and it's not done yet, but it's nah. it's certainly unfinished. Listen, but yeah, we've drank the beer that we've tried to homebrew. I'm sure your beer that you actually brewed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Blows that away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'd be surprised though. I mean, sometimes you're in the process. You're like, oh god, is this even going to be good? And then you know, give it a few days, and you're like, all right, yeah, okay. This actually tastes like beer now. It's not just a bunch of sludge. So, tell me about. Obviously, you're in the Connecticut beer scene. Tell me about your opinion of the Connecticut beer scene, and then as a curveball, I've got another question about the Connecticut beer scene. For okay. You too. Oh. Yeah. So, all right. Um, actually, I'm excited about the Connecticut beer scene. So, you know, when we started um, this project, there was maybe 40 breweries in the state, and we're like, okay, we want to we want to make another one. Three years later, there's like 90 breweries in the state. So it's almost doubled. Yeah. Right? It's just so, grown like a weed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and even, you know, here in town, like we're not the only game in town. You know, there are other breweries. There's actually three coming soon in this town. So, you know, by the end of this year, our home t- little hometown is going to have five breweries operating. <laughs> and that's small one-barrel operations, our seven-barrel operation. There's a, a five-barrel operation down the literally half a mile from here that's getting ready to open up. It's a big chain brewery coming in. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like our little town is mirroring what's going on through the whole state. You know, like everybody is trying to get into this game, uh, you know, because craft beer is hot. Some regulations changed that made it a lot easier for people to get into beer yeah. um, and, and follow their passion and whatnot. So... I'm really excited about that. A lot of times people are like, oh, how do you feel about this? Oh, there's another brewery coming to town. Oh, how do you feel about that? I think that's wicked awesome. Go anywhere where there's a really decent beer scene and there's a lot of breweries per capita. You know, even think about someplace like Portland, Maine, right? You go up to Allagash, nationally known brewery, phenomenal. Everything they make is absolutely, like, amazing. Across the street from them. In a little plaza, it's like three or four other breweries. Yep. They're all doing well. I, I've been to that plaza. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. And, you know, and, and I guarantee that probably started with one brewery across the street, another brewery across the street. No, you know, I'm sure the guy opening up the third brewery over there was just like gold mine, you know, because when I'm on vacation and I go to Portland, I'm going to go to Allagash because they're that, that, that big draw. And then I walk out of their place and say, oh, three other breweries. Cool. I'm going to go visit them. Right. You know? Yeah. And so that's kind of what's going on here in Connecticut as a whole. But even in our, our little town of Manchester is, you know, when we have all these breweries, people are going to say, hey, where are, you, where are we going for, for beer? Oh, well, we could go here. We could go there. Oh, well, we go to Manchester. There's five breweries. So we're yeah. going to go to your place and my place and the next guy's place, and we're just going to kind of hit everybody and, you know, do a one and done, get our beer passport stamped, and move on. I mean, I think that's wicked awesome. And the more breweries we have locally and in the state, the more people are going to come in and visit those breweries, which is more foot traffic for me. I get to sell more beer, you know, and all right. that kind of stuff. And also on the flip side of that, it forces all of us to make good beer. 
So, you know, when the Connecticut beer scene started to grow, and we had 10 breweries or 12 breweries, if you put out a mediocre product, that was okay. Because people would support you. They're like, yeah, hey, you're my local brewery. I like local. Eh, maybe your beer's all right. Not that, not that everybody's was like that. But you could get away with it. You know, you could have a one-off batch that's not awesome, but whatever, you know. People will forgive you. Now, if you're not putting out a solid product, the internet is going to know. There's so many beer people out there now because this whole scene is exploding so much. Like, you just can't do that anymore. So that forces us to make better beer. It's quality control. Oh, absolutely, it's yeah. Built I mean, quality control. You got it, absolutely. And the, and the better all of our beer is, the more likely people are going to come to town, you know, and, and or to our state and visit us because they're going to say, hey, you know, Connecticut has killer beer. I'm going there. You know, Manchester has some awesome breweries killing it, so we're going there because the beer scene there is lit. So we're, we're, we're going there for our whatever beer tour weekend or whatever it is. So I'm really excited for what's coming down the pipeline in, here in Connecticut. So. Yeah, and I think that that's a thing. I mean, if you, like, for my bachelor party a couple weeks ago, we went to Asheville, yeah. which... You know, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's oh, that's yeah. like beer city there, man. Yeah, yeah. and North Carolina is you know a giant, a giant city, or gi- giant city, giant state. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've been drinking. So you know, but, city. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I mean, <laughs> Connecticut's small. So I mean, if you can come to Connecticut and hit you know, and just go wherever and find good beer, it's it's just oh, great absolutely. for the state. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like I mean, I I live in North Carolina now, so I live in North Carolina now, so I mean. You know, I live 45 minutes from Charlotte. Charlotte has 30 breweries, of course. But you can come to Connecticut, and you could drive across the entire state in a few hours. Hour like, and a half, maybe. Yeah, half. yeah. So you could, you could literally hit from east to west coast, west side of Connecticut. Yeah. And, and whereas in North Carolina, you have to drive two hours to get to maybe your next cluster of breweries. So I think it's amazing that... You know, Connecticut being so small has so many breweries, and I mean, really, I get home, I get home beer sick because I'm just like, I love, I love the breweries up here. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he says as he's wearing a Fox Farm T-shirt. Hey, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's another place that's killing it. I, man. Used like, to, yeah. I used to live ten minutes from Fox Farm, so. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, especially all these breweries that are opening up now. Everybody who's even considering it. None of them are opening up and putting out a mediocre product. Like they're, just, they, you just cannot survive that way because the day you open up. And your beer's no good. People are going to hear about it, and so you have to, uh, you have to bring your A game. Yeah. You know. So. Oh no! I just I knew the answers to the first two questions. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always good at trivia when it's not me actually playing. Like when I'm sitting here and I hear the question, I'm like, oh yeah, I know the answer. Yeah. The minute you sit me down in front of that score sheet, I'm just like, uh, I don't know anything. I didn't go to any school. I can't read. I don't know anything. It's blue. I know nothing. Wayne Gretzky. You know, it's like that's but my answer. As a former librarian, I mean, you must be like on top of trivia. I mean, people really think that that's a thing, but a lot of uh, like librarians don't just memorize everything and know everything. We just know where to find the answer. And in trivia, you can't use any resources. You have to have all that True. knowledge shoved up in your head. I was but, always bad at the indexing part of the library. You know, it's it's not as bad as it used to be. It's not like that scene in Ghostbusters where you're going through the card file and, you know, like, <laughs> next thing you know, a ghost slimes the whole thing. Like, that doesn't happen anymore, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, those skills were really useful when we were trying to, like, solve problems or figure things out. Like, where do we find these resources to figure out how to whatever wire these lights or what's the 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 legal process to get open up well okay well i'm gonna call these people ask these people i know where there's a resource to find out what the you know what government regulations apply to us what forms i need to fill out like how do you actually talk to people who work for the government because well i'm sure they're really wonderful people you know they have constraints so like how do you 
ask the right questions so they know what you're looking for and give you the right form and make sure that all that stuff is done. That's, I mean, that's all like librarianship, paying attention, being detail-oriented, knowing where to get the answer. You know. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome so, skill to have. Yeah, it kind of yeah. makes us bad at trivia, but, you know, whatever. That's <laughs> okay. I'll trade, you know, I'll trade that, you know. So. That's awesome. So as your curveball question, what brewery outside of your own yeah. do you like the most in Connecticut? Ooh, this is Put a you on tough... The hot seat. Yeah, this is a tough question, and I don't want to offend anybody, because I have a lot of friends in the brewery world, obviously. But I'll, I'll tell you, there's a reason why. So, um... I'd say one of my favorite breweries in the state is uh, Brewery Legitimus in New Hartford. It's funny. I just I interviewed them a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Chris and Christina are super awesome human beings. Uh, their space is killer. Their beer is always on point. Um, but one of the reasons I like that brewery is um, my wife and I will go out there. So there's, like, good hiking over in that area. So we'll go for a hike. We'll grab some food. We'll stop there and get some beer. It's like the entire experience is there. You know, it's just like a nice destination to go out to. There's a million other breweries where that's the case. That's just something that, like, we happen to do. And so I always have these, like, fond memories. You know, a lot of beer is just sharing it. You know, a lot of our positive experiences with beer are also the people you're with, the, the atmosphere you're in. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm fond of that place simply because I spend a lot of time with my wife there. So when we have some time off, where there's, like, cute little antique shops up that way or whatever. So we'll kind of make a day of it because it is far enough away from here where it's, you know, it's a little bit of a hike or whatever. And... Also, it's nice. I do a lot of motorcycling, so sometimes I'm out that way on the bike, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop and pick up a Crowler of this beer, because I know my lady likes it. And then, you know, I come home with a Crowler, and she's not so cheesed off that, you know, I took a 300-mile motorcycle ride, you know? Just <laughs> when I was like, I'm going to the store really quick, and then, you know, a couple hours later, she's texting me like, hey, uh, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm in New York somewhere, you know? So I can just swing by there, grab a Crowler, I'm like, here you go, yeah, yeah, so... But, I mean, there's plenty of awesome breweries here in, in the state, and I... I you know, if you if you asked me on a different day, I might mention somebody else as well. I mean, we're most of the breweries in the state are really killing it as far as like the taproom experience and the quality of the beer and the friendliness of the staff. And you know, again, it goes back to that you have to do that in this in this competitive sort of uh, market. You have to have all of those things: beer experience, nice taproom, great service. If you don't have that, don't even open your doors. And I do I do notice a. a I, I mentioned this to Chris when I was there interviewing him. I noticed a distinct uh, couple couple similarities between the, the tap rooms and the vibes that you guys are oh sure are, are giving off. Yeah. Have you seen their new the new edition that they're putting on I, the back? I've of that seen uh, early uh, sections of it and what what they posted on Facebook. I'm super excited about it. I can't wait to to go out there and check out once they're sort of like you know ready to roll and they you know they open it up. I, that's going to be an awesome space out there. You know they do really well and. Uh, you know that whole community in that area is pretty cool. So, so um, as we're wrapping up here, yeah. tell us tell us some about upcoming events to the brewery. Obviously, on Monday nights they have trivia. You guys always seem to have a food truck out here, which is fantastic. Yeah, almost Especially always. Especially somebody who used to live next door, it was always great to walk up here and, <laughs> and grab food from the food truck when I didn't feel like cooking. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, usually we'll have food trucks, mostly like Thursdays through Mondays, sometimes on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, um, and those those trucks rotate. You know, uh, they're about as varied as our beer selection is. As far as upcoming events, I'm going to cheat and look at my calendar. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, our uh, actually this coming Sunday. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but uh, on the 21st of July, we actually have this homebrew competition that we're hosting. And so, how this worked is we made a batch of wort. And then we portioned it out to 20 homebrewers. Those homebrewers took that work home, 
boiled it, threw yeast at it, whatever they wanted to do, they're all coming back here with different beers that they made from the same base wort. And so Sunday is that sort of judging competition and we're doing like a little tasting where we're inviting, you know, uh, it's a ticketed event. We're inviting some people here, like members of the general public, to do like a mini beer fest style tasting of all those competition beers. You know, you That's get a, awesome. You get a cute tasting glass and you also get the cast to vote for who the people's choices. So, you know, you get to come drink all these homebrews and... You know, and whatever. So that's that's sort of like our big uh, July event. And obviously August is um, our birthday. We're going to have a, a week-long celebration for our birthday um, leading up to Sunday the 25th, which is our actual birthday. And um, what we're going to do is each of the nights that we're open during that week, and we're open seven nights a week, but each of the nights we're going to dedicate that night to a different charity that we've worked with. So we do a lot of charity fundraisers here. So we're going to, you know, we're working on uh, nailing down seven of them and then each night we're gonna do some sort of event for each of those charities so we can kind of celebrate our birthday which is super awesome and exciting and we want you to come out and drink all of our beer and that's great but we also want to be able to sort of continue in that tradition of giving back to our community so we're going to highlight each of these charities you know each night will have its own sort of thing where we'll say hey this is you know charity x this is what they do come out learn more about them we're given you know proceeds from tonight's beer sales to this group, and then we'll do the same the next night and the next night and to kind of just keep that tradition of of uh, uh, supporting our, our local community, you know, as ingrained in what we do here. That's fantastic. And yes, I will be here for all of that. So awesome. Yes, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, it should be it should be a good time. You know, like we like to you know have a good time, party, you know, but also be mindful and of our community that sort of you know we had a lot of help opening this place up. My partners and I have had a lot of help throughout our lives from you know. You know, friends, neighbors, our community. This is a good opportunity for us to sort of get back, and that's like one of the core parts of our mission. So we figured, why not incorporate it into our birthday? And what the heck, man? You know, awesome. Yeah, yeah that sounds awesome. pretty cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, it should be awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to meet with us. You know, everybody, come on out. As Adam said, they're open seven days a week, so there's really no excuse not to show up here. Exactly. And then obviously, <laughs> Tom, that, that drinking alone with friends sent you and. Yeah. They'll say hi. Yeah, they'll say hi. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, maybe a high five. We there give a go. lot of those out here. So. <laughs> and so with that, my name's Todd. My name's Chris. And I'm Adam. And if you're drinking alone, make sure you do it with friends. All right. Perfect. Woo. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks so much. I mean, all right, we're back. <laughs> uh, time was uh, time was a flat circle. Did a good job there. I could tell. I mean, yeah, Todd, you were right. You definitely, you definitely are interview king. <laughs> Chris, I really do yeah. appreciate all your contributions to the interview. Hey, I asked a hand, I asked a few questions, and I was far away from the mic, so I was I was perfect. I was exactly where I should have been. I like how you were like I, I, thought, I like how you were just going to say a handful, and then you realized it was not a handful. No, it was not a handful. It's not not quite enough questions to fill one hand. Yeah, but we've talked about it on the pod a little bit before but labyrinth really cool spot if you're in manchester check it out for sure uh tell them that we sent you and they'll say hi and that's probably about it so they'll take out <laughs> their secret 17 ounce glasses and give you that extra ounce you just Ooh, gotta let them know that we you sent go. you well that's that's a right. mug i don't know if they can if without my mug number i don't know if they can have that <laughs> <laughs> i hope the mug gets you at least more, one more more than one extra ounce uh, yeah i think yeah. i think i get i think it's an 18 ounce mug and I get Wait, a full. I get a full only pour get of two? everything. <laughs> two extra ounces. And it, it might be more than eighteen ounces. Eighteen ounce mug. It is a big mug. Yeah, generally they're twenty, but at least in my 
Mug, my history of experiences yeah of mug clubs it's generally 20 ounces but um yeah i remember every time i was we went to a brewery in connecticut and they were like oh we have a mug club i was like oh, should i sign up and dana's like no we never come <laughs> here again. yeah you won't be here for like another year at least so oh this was this this was this past time yeah 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 <laughs> nice. when i moved when i moved down south uh originally into Tennessee, I had my my two brothers mug, mug club still, and I was like, I had like these weird grandiose ideas that I was going to be there like every other month or every quarter or something like that to be able to use the mug. Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still a mug club member there? No, no. I have the mug, but I don't know. They gave they gave it to me because it was personalized, which was kind of cool. And I I just looked it up. It is a twenty ounce mug. Just an FYI. Nice, awesome. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Um, thank you again, Adam, for having us and, you know, having us interrupt your day a little bit just to talk beer for, I don't know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, Adam, obviously, I'll, I'll run into you a few times at the brewery um, and, you know, we'll we'll drink another beer or two or three or ten. <laughs> um, but, we, yeah, we really appreciate it. And if there's any other breweries out there in Connecticut or uh, North Carolina or montana or any of the surrounding states i mean have beer will travel um or want yeah. beer will travel south dakota breweries <laughs> hit me up let me know how how far of a drive is that for you which side of south dakota <laughs> the close the closest side? one let's call the closest, <laughs> the closest side. i don't know 11 hours there you go <laughs> yeah. but black hills brewery let me know we'll, we'll make something happen there you go yeah so uh so definitely uh hit us up at DAWF podcast at gmail.com. Hatchback, follow the email. So uh, if you want us to interview you, if you want to you know, get on our platform, let us know. Subject line free beer in the email. Ooh, that's always, <laughs> a, good, that's always a good subject line. Yeah. That's one way to get one way to know we'll open with your email. <laughs> <laughs> secret secret post interview tip to the enemies of the pod here. I'm just going to put free beer in the subject and we'll open it no matter what. <laughs> Could be a virus. <laughs> <laughs> I would literally interview anybody, regardless of who they are, if they, if they sent an email with subject to free beer. <laughs> uh, Just a friendly reminder to follow us on all social media at uh, DAWF Podcast. That's you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Untapped. Uh, as we said earlier, hashtag follow the email. Uh, make sure you're going on iTunes to give us a five star rating. Make sure you go to Patreon and subscribe there, and also make sure you're using our Amazon affiliate link. And with that, my name's Tud. My name's Chris. And I'm Obert. And remember, if you're drinking alone, do it with friends. So, All right. so who's doing the next interview? I guess it's going to have to be me. we got to find out. <laughs> if it's, uh, we if have to I open the box. interviewing skills. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Now that I've learned so much from all of you. I, I have a few cards in my wallet.